This is the Key to Authority podcast, episode number 49 with Trevor Young. Welcome to the Key to Authority podcast, where it is all about helping you unlock the secrets of becoming the go-to expert in your industry. And here is your host, Janish Pandya. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Key to Authority podcast. I'm your host, Janish Pandya, and I'm delighted to have you here. We are almost at the half century. It has been an amazing, amazing journey, and I thank you so much for accompanying me on it. And if you're just joining us, you're in for a heck of a ride for the upcoming episodes, and make sure you also listen to the back ones as well, because there have been really, really some great, great episodes which have had some great guests and some great actions for you to take to help you grow your authority and become the go-to expert in your industry. Today's guest is a very special one because I've heard him talk and I've met him in person and it all happened over the East Coast in Gold Coast and it was an amazing, amazing experience. And I had asked him, I would love to pick your brains a bit more about his topic and get you on the podcast after hearing him deliver a really great keynote at the We Are podcast conference that happened in Gold Coast in November, which I had attended. The guest is Trevor Young, and oh my God, you're in for a real, real treat because what he shares not only covers about the world of PR, but also blogging, also social media, also content marketing, and every single thing bundled together. So make sure you've got your pen and paper ready. There's plenty of notes to be taken, plenty of actions, and real, real good content. In this episode, Trevor talks about the key to increasing your brand visibility, along with the three types of media, the own media, the earned media, and the social media, and how you can use that to grow your personal brand. And he also shares different techniques and tips to connect with the influencers, to understand how the influencers work, how you can leverage that and grow your brand and authority very quickly in your space, along with a lot, lot more tips and tricks that he has gained and mastered in his 20 odd years of experience in the world of PR. It's just amazing. Trevor has been advancing along the front lines of the communications revolution since 2007, when he established his popular marketing blog, PR Warrior, which has since gone on to be listed by both Smart Company and Search Engine Journal as one of Australia's top business marketing blogs and twice been a finalist in the Australian Writers' Centre's Best Blogs in Australia competition. More recently, Sydney Morning Herald named Trevor as one of the heroes of Australian content marketing while Brand Quarterly included him on its global 50 marketing thought leaders over 50 list in 2014 and 2015. So you know what's coming from Trevor is the real deal. And trust me, I loved every single bit of the episode when I was talking to him, when I was interviewing him, and also when I'd met him in person and when I was listening to his keynote. And I'm really, really excited to share this interview with you because I know you'll get a lot of value out of it. So hang on till the very end. It's going to be worth it. So without further ado, here is Trevor Young. Hey, Trevor, welcome to the Key to Authority podcast. Uh, we caught up at We Are Podcast just last weekend. And before that, we were introduced by Joe Saunders over LinkedIn. As she appeared on your great podcast, Reputation Revolution, uh, part of your PR warrior brand. And after our catch up, it was like we connected like some kindred souls kind of thing when we had our chat. <laughs> so loved having a chat with you. And I really, really enjoyed your presentation at the We Are podcast. We talked about omnipresence. And I thought let's dig a little bit deeper over this episode. And here you are. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Janish. It's, uh, that's the way of the world now, isn't it? That's just all of these connections. It's like a spider web of connections and, uh, but still face to face is where, where the magic happens. Absolutely. And that's one thing I've been told is like never forget face to face, even if you're doing everything online. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So Trevor, tell me where your journey of becoming an authority or becoming a PR warrior started. And how long does it go back? Uh, it goes back quite a few decades. <laughs> um, 
I started as a journalist um, straight out of out of high school, and uh, it was in the days where you wouldn't necessarily need to go to university um, because uh, you learnt on the job. And so I became a cadet at I, – I grew up in country Victoria. I lived next door to the newspaper because my dad was a bank manager, and so I went to sleep with the printing press, um, the ryth- rhythmic sounds of the printing press in my ear. <laughs> and um, and so when I got the opportunity, I applied for a, a cadetship there, which meant I learnt on the job. And my when I say learned on the job, your first uh, I was in there for about fifteen minutes on my first day, and the editor said, "I want a back page lead in uh, in half an hour." And that's that's how you learn, and uh, you learn very, very, very quickly. And so I, I was in newspapers for about four and a half, probably getting close to five years, and then I went into uh, went to Melbourne and and joined a big PR firm. And those were the days when a journalist uh, could easily go into PR because it was very much around writing newsletters and doing media publicity. And those elements are still there today, but the, the, the industry's changed completely. So I worked for all the big guys and then um, in 1998 saw that there was a need in the marketplace to be more of a marketing-focused PR firm. Um, I uh, got together with a former colleague and we started a company called Spark Communications and um, we started uh, carving out a niche for ourselves in, in more brand-orientated marketing and we set up a uh, an experiential agency as well. So I think at its height we had... Two companies and both had offices in Melbourne and Sydney and probably, I don't know, about 30 full-time staff and about 50 part-timers on the experiential side of things. And uh, so that that was it. We, we sold that business to um, a big media buying company called Mitchell & Partners in 2006. Um, and 2007 is when I started really getting into social media and content and blogging and I, that's when I started the PR Warrior blog. So it, everything kind of happened from that point on. Twitter was in that uh, in that time frame as well, and LinkedIn. I think I joined in about 2005 uh, at a time when if you invited someone to connect with you, they thought they were stalking you and you're a <laughs> freak. Um, and as we know, that's not the case today with LinkedIn. So just have blogged and delved deep into that space from a PR perspective since 2007. And uh, I, I left, and, and I've probably been, with a, with an exception of uh, um, two years, with a company called Edelman, who are the biggest PR firm in the world. Uh, I was the head of uh, director of strategy in, in um, Australia. I, uh, I've basically been by myself or in partnership with one other, and you know, really delving into this space and, and uh, helping clients across the board. So a lot of education, as much as consulting, I've found I've done. So probably fifty fifty consulting versus education these days. And uh, I think just from doing stuff, though, from raising a profile outside of my industry, I was kind of known within my industry, but blogging allowed me to build a name and a profile outside and into more general um, business circles. And from that, I got asked to speak a lot. And um, I've probably done, I don't know, 80, 80 or 90 speaking gigs now. And, and I've got an agent and it's a part of my uh, my income, and um, so speaking is important. I've had a book deal through a major publisher called Wiley, um, and the book's called Microdomination. So the magic has kind of happened as a result of, of blogging and being active in the content creation space for me. So that's really interesting from you not being able to sleep if the press wasn't running <laughs> uh, to where you are now in terms of education is almost half your business and that's speaking because that's where I got to see you live in action. So tell me a bit more about the speaking side of things because quite a few of our listeners are professional speakers, they're coaches, they're consultants, and you do quite a bit of that. So in regards to the speaking how does your business revolve and you said you make quite a bit of an income from there? So where does that come from? Well, I, I think that um, speaking is sort of it's it, there was never a plan. So I just I used I used speaking just when I first started doing it was on a lot of panels. So I, I, I hated speaking. I hated public speaking. <laughs> everything to do with it. 
But at least when I started doing it, it was, it was on, on panels, which was really good. So I, I guess I was so deep into my topic, you know, 07, 08, 09, 2010, um, and a lot of people weren't in those days. They certainly weren't as much as they are today. Um, it wasn't too bad because I kind of I, – I always thought, well, I'm probably going to know more than most people here just because I'm into it more than everyone at the moment. So that, that gave me a little bit of confidence to be able to speak on a panel and from there, I started was starting to being asked to do keynotes um, at a lot of organisations and membership professional organisations and membership based organisations. And I did it basically to raise the profile of the business and what I was doing. That was that was you know it's a good good way a good way to generate leads etc. And then one day I uh, presented at a uh, did another speaking gig for nothing, and a, in the audience was the head of uh, one of Australia's largest speaking bureaus. Um, so that was quite fortuitous. And a couple of weeks later, he rang and said, listen, um, I've got a client who might be interested in, do you want to speak for them? And at that point, I'd only just started charging. I'd been charging a very small amount and we timed it by five <laughs> out there and uh, sold me in, which was fantastic. And uh, from then, it, it became a little bit more serious. And from then, you rather than just speaking, people ask you to share your knowledge, et cetera, when you do it for a fee, you know, for a conference or an organization that's paying you, then they become a client and often they will have goals out of that. They might want to educate their uh, franchisees on a particular thing or motivate them or sometimes you're used as a bit of a Trojan horse to get a message out there as well. And so I've had to learn all that along the way um, as the in your audience, the people who do speak professionally will will attest to that. So um, I don't, I can't roll off. I'm not in the position to roll off the same um, presentation all the time. I, I pretty much write it depending on what the audience is, and because um, everyone's at a different journey in this space, and it's basically around uh, social media, content marketing, and and how to build a, you know, cut through with your story and. Resonate, resonate with the marketplace. So in regards to, you mentioned that when you did, so the speaking journey helped you build your profile as well. And earlier on, you started blogging when it was just getting started and got involved in social media. So when you started all this in terms of going away from that uh, agency in terms of your marketing focus, PR from with your partner there, you became a solopreneur kind of thing. You went solo. So what was that one thing when you started out that worked for you like gangbusters because you would have tried things along with all this different stuff? Well, I think early days, um, you know, getting out and talking social media 2008, say 2009, 2008, 2009 when I left that business that I'd started, um, I was a little early, I think. <laughs> it was a little bit tough in those times because people didn't know what social media was. So those that I was dealing with, it, it meant that I was in a really great position to be teaching um, people who were very forward-thinking and very keen to learn, but it was certainly nowhere near as prevalent as it is today. So, um, you know, there was quite some hard yards in, that, in those earlier days for, for sure, and it was very much around social media because – um, while we were blogging and the content side, you know, we were creating content, but we, it just kind of didn't have the resonance that content marketing as a discipline had today. We were doing it, but there was nothing, nothing to hang your hat on, you know. So we just called it blogging. You're either blogging and doing social media. So that's what I was talking about most of the time. Uh, but it always doing media relations and probably what PR people have been known for. That's, um, you know, getting editorial exposure for our, our clients, that's not the only thing a PR person would do. And I know people in PR who would probably speak to a journalist once every couple of months. Um, that's today that the industry's changed, but people still want that. And so over the journey, and um, I've sort of, I don't sort of see any delineation between them all. And I think if you just do content marketing without social, if you just have a social media strategy without content and media relations, you know, is fueled by content, Unless you're integrating all of those elements together, owned, earned, and social media, as I call them, you're only getting half the picture. Now, it just means that you've got to really stop, prop, and, you know, take, take, take stock of the situation and work out, you know, what it is you're trying to say, who's your audience, um, what is the, the, you know, the, 
what do you want to own in the territory of your audience? Uh, what do you, what do you want to be known for? And, um, and, and from a, and, and my, I tend to skew a bit more towards people trying to build a visibility profile, um, whether it's for their business brand, but also their personal brand. Um, so, you know, what, what is the, um, what I'm trying to say is, you know, you can do content and social and everything for all sorts of different brands, but my focus is on anyone who's got a, you know, expertise to share, knowledge to share, um, stories to share. Uh, I don't create, you know, viral videos for a yogurt brand, for example. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think well, that's what we're talking about, that that person is the go-to expert and they're looking to be the authority or they are the authority. Substance. But- I like I like dealing with people who have got substance and who have got an abundance mindset and who are out there really trying to, um, you know, to make their mark, to have an impact and to deliver value. And so if we can do that through content, leading conversation, building community through collaboration, um, then that, then that will lead to commerce. No, no doubt about it. Yeah. And that's some of space where I work as well, because that's where I resonate with people. And I think that's where we have resonated with each, with each other as well is we have similar thinkings on that space. So Trevor, in terms of talking about authority, what is your definition of authority? Well, I, I always say there's a lot of subject matter experts out there and there's nothing wrong with being an expert. Um, we know it takes, um, what, 10,000 hours apparently. Apparently um, so. <laughs> and, but there, it doesn't matter what industry you are, there's probably a lot of experts. And to me, an authority, and, and you probably could say a thought leader, but you know, you can't, can't call yourself a thought leader. It's up to other people to consider <laughs> you that. But an authority to me is someone who is, is kind of, stands a bit above, and in a nice way, stands a bit above the experts in terms of they become the go-to informational resource. They're the person that um, cuts through with their story and their message a bit more. They're the ones that people will share their content and follow them a lot more. There's a lot more trust built in there. And um, they're, the pers- they're the kind of person that the media will come to for quotes, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, over the journey, not just one-offs, but this is a, this would be a pattern forming over over a period of time, and so by all of this, ex- again, it's what, how people judge you. It's the fact that they're willing to you know to come to your events and listen to you you know your podcasts and read your blog and share your stuff and and ongoing and and to a point where you do become visible because you know the media you know also recognizes your expertise. And so you become the go-to person for whatever that space is. Now, to get to that point, you can't do it just becoming, just being the expert won't get you there. You need to bring people along for the journey. You need to push the way people think about your topic. Um, you need to be visible, ongoing, creating content, being relentless about it, being open and sharing and, and bringing, as I said, bringing people along for the ride. And educating along the way. And that's what thought leaders and authorities tend to do. They tend to be, uh, out the front, pushing, pushing boundaries of thought, getting people to, uh, motivating people to think in a different way and to have a perspective and opinion on the, their area of expertise that they're willing to share through various channels. And as we know, we have various channels at our disposal today. So that's the difference. You can still be an expert but not do any of those things and not be perceived as an authority and, you know, you're an expert but maybe the media won't come to you on an ongoing basis, for example. And that's all about, like, there is all those technical aspects, uh, as experts there and they know everything needed greedy detail but they have no idea how to communicate it and how to share it and educate it and I guess that's the line that you're talking about. That's right. What's the picture? What's the bigger picture in your industry? Where Where's it going? You know, what are the trends? Yeah, no, I love that definition. So, Trevor, you were talking earlier on about that earned media, own media, and social media, and tying that with the brand visibility. So, the question I've got for you is, what is the key to increasing your brand visibility? Then, the key to increasing brand visibility. Okay. It, it, it is all of those things, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, owned, earned, and social media. So let's look at owned media is what, you know, that, that content that you can control. So let's look at your, you know, on your own domain names, et cetera. So, uh, your blog 
or your podcast or your online video show, that's owned media. That's that's your own media territory. Your email list, uh, if you've got an app, that's you could consider that owned media. And that's the stuff you can control, and that's great to be able to be in that position. It kind of sets the foundation for everything else. Earned media is more when there's a third party involved. So that might be, well, I guess that you could call this interview earned media. I've earned the right for you to to talk to me and, you know, for you to um, think me worthy enough to talk to. Yeah? And so if a journalist um, comes to you, you've earned the right for that to happen. Uh, if you've been asked to speak somewhere, you've earned the right for that to happen. It doesn't. There's no free publicity. Even if, <laughs> even if you're pitching a journalist, you've had to earn that um, and then you get covered. You've had to earn that right to do that. Um, if they come to you because they've read your blog or someone's recommended you, you've earned that. You've earned that by doing all the things that you've done up until that point. Um, so, you know, if you want to do a guest post on someone else's blog, you've had to write the idea or the story, you've had to build the relationship with the person or find at least find the right person to pitch it to. So there's been some, you know, sweat in that in that process. So that's when there's third parties, you know, someone's taking your content and asking you whether they can put it on, you know, on their website, um, ask you to speak at a conference. That's earned. Yeah. And so the owned is all the stuff that goes in advance of that. And the uh, social media is kind of Earned and owned because obviously, you know, you're owning the content that you put on Facebook, uh, the tweets you create, um, or, you know, all of those things, whatever you, you know, the, the blab, if you're on blab, the, the, the conversation you have on blab, but you don't own those platforms. And uh, as we know, Facebook can change the rules at any time and as they want to do. And, um, and so, but you're still owning that content that you've put on it, but you're also earning the shares and the comments and when people are recommending you on Twitter, that's still, I see that as earning. So kind of social media fits in between and they all feed each other uh, because the owned media, by having a presence and that people are sharing and liking your content, that might get you known by podcasters wanting guests guests to interviews, um, bloggers who want um, other other points of view and guest blogs. Uh, the media who want to quote or, you know, the radio station who want to quote on, you know, your particular subject matter. And so the content has got you, helped get you found, but it also serves as great validation because, as you know, um, Janish, everyone checks everyone out now. Yes. <laughs> and so, sure, you may have heard about someone through the traps, however that word of mouth is, has occurred, and then you go and check them out on LinkedIn or you look at their Twitter feed or you listen to their podcast or you read their, their blog or, or a number of those things. And does what you what you find is that validated in your mind that this person is worth doing business with or is this person worth interviewing uh, if you're a journalist? So um, that's that's where the, the owned and the earned work together. And social, of course, again, is, is a feeder between both of those. No. So, uh, like, I love in terms of how you've put it together where they're all in between and they're all playing together because, as you mentioned, there's not one single key to it. It's all integrated. So where does one start then? Like, because, for example, I'm looking to become an authority in podcasting. So where would I start my journey? Well, you're getting your chops at the moment by uh, doing podcasting and yes. you're learning as you go and you're documenting uh, your learnings as you go and you're sharing that as well. So that's that's a good start. Um, I think the, the main thing is, like, if you want to be known as someone who understands podcasting, yes, you need a, to be doing the podcast, but you, you might also need to be blogging about it or podcasting about how to do it. Um you know, which is a different thing than interviewing people. Yep. Um, so it's it's kind of uh, like if I wanted to teach people about blogging and that was going to be my main point of difference, yep. uh, I don't blog about that at the moment. I blog about, you know, uh, where's PR going, where's content marketing, how to how to raise your profile through content and social and, and, um, and some – 
some articles that are sort of more looking at trends and others probably a little bit more how-to and lessons learned. Uh, but if I wanted to do it just on blogging, then I'd start one just on how to, you know, how to blog dot <laughs> com yeah. or the best way to, you know, to make the magic happen in your blog dot com. And so I think you, you need to work out what that niche is that you, that you want to find anyway. Um, and it'll always, everyone will tell you the same thing. And they're pretty right. What's your, what's your, your goals and objectives are really important, but I think something that's more important is your purpose. What is the purpose over and above? Um, what you're trying to achieve and let's, you know, let's get a little bit higher. Let's get a bit, you know, what's your mission? What, uh, what impact do you want to make on the world? Do you want to change people's lives? Because I think if you're going that little bit higher with that more of a heart centered approach, um, people will, how can I put it? You'll, you'll stand above others that, that are just in it just to make a buck. Yep. And so if you get that purpose right, the second point is your positioning in the market. What is, uh, you know, what position do you want to own in the minds of your audience, as I alluded to earlier? Uh, but then once you've worked that out, what is your narrative to support that? And what are, I call it your spheres of conversation. What are those conversations in your uh, arena, your space, that you need to be part of or to lead? And they can be quite broad at the start, and then you start specialising within those broader topics. But, you know, if you're talking about podcasting, you might, that might be your big broad sphere of conversation, but then you might start over time specializing a bit more in terms of DIY podcasting. And then it might be, you know, you'll get, you'll, you'll be in a certain arena that, that a territory that you can own a little bit tighter. And so therefore the content that you produce needs to start matching that because if you're just producing content all over the shop, you're not going to be known for anything. So being quite pointed with your content uh, is is very important. Um, and the and the third part is you know people who you're trying to communicate with. Uh, what are the challenges that they face that that you can help them with by providing timely and relevant information, however that's distributed. And uh, but more importantly, again, take a bigger picture view. What does your audience care about? Now, audience in a content marketing perspective is your ideal client or ideal clients and you build these avatars and everyone will, will have heard about that if they've done any bit of research on content marketing. And that's true. Um, I think sometimes people get too much into the, the demographics and all of that sort of stuff and it's nice to do but it's it's a bit more about what are their challenges that you can help them with. But this is where I come back down to, you know, content too can be thought leadership type content might not be useful and helpful to people. It might be actually challenging to them. So if you look at someone like Seth Godin, you know, his stuff is not really simple how-to. It's poke-in-the-eye stuff. (laughs) So you've got, again, just because all all the content marketing says these are the rules, yeah, look at the rules, understand them and know why you're doing it, but be prepared to to push against them a little bit. And this is where things come different from an earned media perspective. Who are your influences that you need to be talking to? Who are the journalists that you need to be talking to? Is there a particular radio show that you'd love to be on? Is there an industry publication you need to be part of? Is there a blog written by someone who who accepts guest posts, like a pro blogger or something like that? And so you need to identify these people and also look at them and bring them into the equation. And can you bring them into your ecosystem as well? Well, you certainly need to be part of theirs. And so that's where by looking, stepping back and looking at people, I don't just say buyer personas because it goes a lot deeper than that and you can be smarter about how you do that. Yes, that's good, but you can also be smarter with who are the influencers, who are the advocates, who are the people who are potential allies, champions, advocates for your brand who will never be a client, never be a client because that. What you sell is not what they want to buy, but they'll recommend you and they'll hand tip you and they'll share your stuff. Why should you not communicate with them? So I guess the owned, earned and social media approach, which I call content-driven social PR is my phrase. I like it. (laughs) That takes in all of those areas and it makes you think a little bit smarter and joining the links. Nothing wrong with just doing it the way the content marketers say, 
but there are other ways to do it. And if you get, if I think of you, one plus one plus one equals five. If you get the owned, earned, and social media working in concert, um, they all feed off each other. So I think in terms of then starting out, you're talking about creating the content, or let's say a blog or a podcast or a vlog, whatever fits the boat then working towards building that profile, then connecting and communicating with others, the buyers, the influencers, and then the PR side of things. Is that correct? Is that a good summary? Yeah, that's pretty much. I mean, it just means not shutting off those. Um, it means opening up for other audiences and, and making sure you're consistent across everything. That's, that's the key is that consistency and to use the channels with purpose. So, Trevor... In terms of now, you know, how everyone loves everything quickly, like people want to become an overnight expert and overnight authority and stuff, like this obviously doesn't happen overnight. So, but are there ways to quicken the process or get that speaking gig quickly or get in front of the influencers and communicate with them or get in front of that newspaper quickly? Is there some tips or tricks from your decades of experience that you've learned? Yeah, that yeah. Through? Yes. I don't like saying tricks, and I'm not one to hack the system. So, <laughs> so system. what's, what's your go? <laughs> I know a lot of people like gaming the system and all of you know, hack your way here and there. And some, sometimes those those ideas are pretty cool, and sometimes um, you know there's a lot of surface and not much substance. <laughs> it does take time. Um, yes. It certainly does take time. And if if you're in an area that's that's got a couple of real big authorities in it, and the media keep going to them. That's going to take longer than if it's a territory where they haven't got their favoured source. So I know that, um, you know, I've been, I've constantly been rung up by a number of media, big media outlets to comment on certain things, which sure I can comment on it, but it's not the sort of territory, you know, it's a bit more on the crisis management side of things. And I, you know, I, I don't want to get into that or, you know, someone's done Facebook wrong. So I don't tend to comment on that stuff. And in my particular case, I handed this uh, journalist on to someone else who has since gone on and probably commented on about eight to ten articles, and it's really raised their profile in the business world, uh, which is fantastic and uh, given them a lot of credibility very quickly. Um, but, you know, I handed that over, but the journalist then got good quote from that person, and that person was always gave them the availability to uh, to give them the quotes and to give them good copy. So that worked really well. And so that's when it can work really when it works. It works really well if that journalist likes you and has a need for that type of commentary again and again and again. So there's a, a few caveats there. But the thing is, what you can fast track is the amount of content you do, I suppose. If every blog post, a lot of the people who have built profiles, they've they've done it quickly because they've put in 10 times their work. And so rather than do, um, you know, 100 blog posts over two years, they've done them in six months. And so if every blog post is a, a window into your world, mm-hmm. uh, I like to think of it as your blog or your website like a park, and each time you put content out that's on that website, um, it's like a, a gateway into that park, and people are walking around that park and um, the, the more gateways there are, the more gateways into your business. And so you can, you can, which John Lee Dermis in, you know, in, in podcasting, he could have done one a, one a week, he end up doing one a day, and that, that skyrocketed him. So just because you do more doesn't mean the quality's still got to be there, and just because you do more doesn't mean it's going to speed up, but there is a correlation between the amount that you do and the relentlessness with which you show up and and uh, the opportunities that come your way. Um, so being strategic, being focused and showing up and being relentless, they will always work for you. So the probably the more niche you go, um, and sometimes that doesn't work for people. They, they are in a couple of broad spaces, and I understand that. I see a lot of those people. Um, I'm one myself. I don't just stick to one element of content marketing. No, stupid over here tries to do the lot. <laughs> um, but in, do- in doing the lot and combining everything, I'm actually created an area that a lot of people don't haven't done. So um, it kind of 
that that sounds a bit weird, but in a, in, a, in a way, me joining the dots across three different areas uh, is actually a differentiator yeah. than if I was in one of those areas by myself. Um, so the more niche you are, the more relentless you are, the more focused you are, the better the quality of the content. Um, that's that's a given. And you know, you look at someone like Jay Bear, B A E R, um, and he's written the book Utility. Uh, he, he, and he's the top of the tree in what he does. He speaks probably, I don't know, one or 200 times a year. He's best selling author, God knows how many times, runs a great consulting business, owns a podcasting network. Okay. So he's a perfect example at best practice at the top end of town. So he was relentless for sure. And he works and he speaks and he does a lot. And he does, you know, he does these three or four times a week, these J today. Um, little video blogs, I suppose you'd call them, uh, three, three minute video blogs. And he turns each one of those video blogs into eight bits of content. And so that's when, you know, being, being smart about it, you don't just do a video blog, but how can you turn that video blog into seven or eight different bits of content? And so you're still getting that consistency of message, but, but you're reaching people in micro channels. And so I don't think there's any substitute for that. Know your audience, uh, give them what they want, uh, be out there and, you know, mixing with them on social channels, uh, work out your niche and your, and your positioning in the market and show up and show up and meet the, meet the influencers. Don't just go pitching people. Um, it's better to build a relationship with them first. Now, you can fast-track relationships, obviously, by getting to meet people and doing that. Um, but, you know, if you want, if there's a journalist, you, you want to cover your, your, um, you know, your space, you know, don't just pitch him straight away, him or her straight away, because it might not work. Um, and if you do it wrong, you might be, you know, on their little blacklist. <laughs> maybe if they are, they run a blog as well, maybe share their content, join them on Twitter, join in a conversation with them, add value to them all the time. And then when the time's right, uh, pitch them a story idea. And at least they know who you are and you're going to be listened to. So that can be done, you know, it's very hard to speed that process up, but you, by at least being focused about it, you can, you know, improve the chances of getting coverage. That's a lot, isn't it? <laughs> it's a lot. And that's the thing, like, I've had a talk with quite a few people and people are like, I want to get known as quickly as possible. And I have a chat similar to you. It's like, it's not as easy as it looks like the people who are overnight successes are like Jay Bear, <laughs> for example. We talk about, like, he's doing a lot of these things, but he had to start from somewhere and it took him a long time to get there. And oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And, and, but the thing is he had all that validation in the bank, you know, he had that credibility. So when he did break, he really broke. Now what broke him was at the store. It was at the book that went through a major publisher. Maybe that was it because the book gives you that credibility. But, um, you know, speaking of books, my book, Micro Domination, I looked at a whole stack of people who I call micro mavens. So people like, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk and Darren Rouse and Chris Gillibo and Marie Forleo and, uh, Valerie Koo, who was at, um, yeah, also podcast. spoke with me <laughs> in our podcast conference and probably about 27 all up in examples in this book. And, you know, they, they were around at Chris Brogan and Brian Clark. You know, these guys were around a long time before they actually got known. And, um, you might recall I spoke about Gary Vaynerchuk at the We Are podcast conference. And some of your listeners might know him and follow him and others might say, I've never heard of him. And yet he's everywhere. Like he's very top of the tree. Um, in his space and um, hugely successful and he's on virtually every channel known to man, yet there's still a lot of people who don't, who don't know him. But he toiled. He toiled away, did a 1,000 episodes of a, a video podcast, a video podcast called um, Wine Library TV. Now, he's known for wine, but he's known for more social media and entrepreneurship these days. But he still did a 1,000 episodes of a daily video show. <laughs> Uh, and, and what other people don't see that they might say, well, geez, that's a lot of work. That got you noticed. Yeah, it got him noticed up, you know, at, at the pointy end, he was probably getting 80,000 
um, unique um, viewers a, a, a day or per episode on that. So he got known, and that once you get known, then the media come calling, and then the media spread your message more, and that's when the publishers come calling. And I believe that he did a million dollar ten book deal, um, and that wouldn't have happened without him building that platform. But what people don't know about the Gary V story is that in those early days of 2006, 07, 08, he was going on every wine blog, every wine forum. He was answering people's questions. He was building up, building up, building up these personal relationships with people. And even today on Twitter, as big as he is with over a million followers on Twitter, he still gets in and talks to people on Twitter where there's a lot, you know, most who are in that, that rarefied air don't really talk to anyone. So, they're the little secrets that you can pick from that. So that's why I did the book because I, I, I was studying these people and I was very interested in, um, you know, what they were doing. So in that book, Microdomination, so what did you find? Because you said the, there's roughly 28 people, right? Yeah, no, yeah. The, 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 I, I found that there was common, uh, um, oh, what do you call it, commonalities between them, yeah. And so they all, some of the, some of the things were that they um, – they were all uh, great content creators, so they were all very giving with the with the content that they did do. Um, they all blogged or did a video um, a video blog like Gary Vaynerchuk, but they all built a platform based on a on on blogging of sorts. Um, they all gave away great content. They were relentless. They showed up. Um, you know, the blogging and the social media were two things that worked together for them. And because they were doing that, they were building big followings on social media as well and engaged client, uh, engaged audience. So what they, what they were doing is that they, they, all, the commonalities is, um, that they were, um, creating that content. They were out and about on social media. They were very authentic too. I, you know, unlike a lot of the, you know, the Hollywood stars that are, buffed and polished within an inch of their life. These people, um, you just got a good feel for who they are and what they stood for. And sometimes they take you, a, you know, a lot more behind the scenes of their life and their business than other people were. So that, you know, that, that power of authenticity, I think, was very important. Um, what others did they do? They, um, they, 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 while they were on social media, they certainly still got out and, and were speakers and, um, again, someone like a Chris Gillibo, who's a, um, he's visited every country in the world. He did that. His goal was to do that before he was 35. And he certainly did do that. And, um, but what Chris Gillibo is good at doing is that he just has meetups everywhere. And when he launched his first book and when he was promoting it, he went to every state and, and um, state in America and territory in Canada too, I think. And, having meetups in obscure places. Um, when he came out to Australia to speak at the ProBlogger conference uh, in Melbourne, he still took the time to have a meetup with people who were, you know, read his blog or, or had bought his book. So that being willing, again, relentless um, to hold these meetups, that's, that's an important thing. So, you know, they're, they're, this power of relentless giving, it, it was a commonality. Whereas a lot of, I guess, traditional thought leaders, they've built their name on the back of media coverage. And so the media found them through however means where they had a PR person pushing them or um, however they were found. And then the media kept going back to them, raised their profile. And that's, that's how they raised their profile. And maybe they got a book deal or maybe some speaking gigs as a result of that. But today you don't have to rely on the media. You can build that profile without the media and then the media will come calling in a lot of cases anyway. And then that will kick, kick you to that next level. Well, again, quite a lot to digest there. <laughs> but Trevor, in that space, you mentioned about that authenticity and behind the scenes and Chris Gilbo and Gary Vaynerchuk and Darren Ross and all big names you talked about. So you have studied them, you've understood how they came about from where they were to what they are now. So what's the mindset side of things look like there? Because I know a lot of people throw in the towel when they're about to break or when it gets get going too hard kind of thing. So what's something you found plus? Obviously, you've done this for 25, 20 odd years plus. So what's kept you going? Uh, passionate about the space, I suppose. I mean, I've, 
I suppose if you look at my narrative and my journey, it's, you know, started as a journalist, went into traditional PR, learnt about sponsorships and events and experiential marketing, and then social media and content and blogging. So my, I just love learning about, you know, and just continually, continually evolving. That is probably what keeps me interested. Otherwise, I probably would have got bored and, and changed careers. But, you know, social media just upended our industry. And so I'm learning every day. I'm still learning. I still find it amazing that we can sit here and talk on Skype and this will be available to a, not that a billion people will listen to it or that might size of the <laughs> audience, good. but you know, there's a billion people on iTunes and we can reach those, potentially reach those people for no money down. I mean, that still blows me away. And from someone who's had to go through the media again and again and again and again, um, and that's all fine, you can now become the media. I just think that that's just the game change, and we haven't even seen the start of it yet. We're just just the tip of the iceberg. So that's exciting. That's exciting. So, um, you know, anyone who's going down this path, let's call it the road to authority or the thought leader journey or whatever you want to call it, um, you know, you've got to love it. You've got to want to share. You've got to have an abundance mindset. You know, if you want to hoard your information, if you don't, oh, it's too hard to show up today or, you know, all of that sort of stuff. You know, you've got to want to go out and press the flesh and meet people. You've got to put yourself out there and want to connect. And so it's about connecting with those people that matter the most to the success of your business. It's about contributing value to their lives in ways that are respectful and meaningful. Um, it's about collaboration. Um, I always say generosity is the new killer app and, and, <laughs> and collaboration is the new black. And so, you know, that's mindset territory. If you don't want to do that, if you don't want to be, if you, you know, people say, oh, should I be on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. And I say, if you don't want to connect with people, if you don't want to talk to them, if you don't want to join other people together and be part of people's conversations, don't go on Twitter. It's too hard. Don't do it. Seriously. Twitter doesn't need more people just putting crap out there. <laughs> um, so that's – it comes down to how much do you want to put out there, how much do you want to give, how passionate are you about your space, and then that will come through the channels that you're on because these channels, people, we know if someone's showing up. We know if someone's real. We're not silly. And so if you're genuine, authentic, passionate, uh, you just want to be out there to help and put your audience first and serve that audience, um, which is different mindset from I've got a product or service that I want to flog, two different things. <laughs> and so get that mindset right. You're in a good space. You'll be passionate. You'll just want to do it. Now, can you keep it up at breakneck speed all the time and, and run a business and a, a household or a family or probably not something things are going to give, but you'll work that out as you go along. You'll work it out. It's mindset. It's mindset first. Always has been. Yeah. And it's about the journey as well and enjoying and loving the talks. What, like what we're having, we connected there. And enjoying this, I'm, I'm enjoying listening to this, and it's also inspiring me and motivating me. I'm like, ah, oh, that's that's what I should, and that's one of the reasons I started the podcast is for my own selfish reasons. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, you know, we were both at this We Are Podcast conference. Um, your listeners probably know you've probably talked about it already. Um, you know, it was the the first um, podcasting conference in the Southern Hemisphere. I'm led to believe, yeah. certainly in Australia. And the people who were there were the, you know, the people who put money down to go, to travel to the Gold Coast to go to it. They're the enthusiasts. They're the true believers. And it's great hanging out with true believers. And it was, you know, the crowd, you know, it's not an established conference. So the crowd's not going to be like it is for the, you know, seven or eight years of Pro Blogger, which is the, the big blogging conference, which gets something like seven or 800 people. So you could go and talk to people and you could find out about what they were doing and you could learn. And I learned a stack. Great catching up with all the speakers, great catching up with participants, um, great sitting down with people and, and, and hearing what they're doing and what their journey's been like because that's how I learn. I learn from that. I read, sure, I read a lot and I listen to podcasts and I do all that. But it's not until you sit down with people to find out what their journey's like. 
that you really start joining a few of the dots as well. Mm. So Trevor, like you have been on this learning journey and as you mentioned, you're learning from others as well as uh, the participants and the workshops and things. And just before this call, you were in a consult on the other side of you getting a consult. So who are the people whom you learn from and especially in the owned and, and social media side of things and then you combine it? Well, that's an interesting one. I have my go-to sources, I suppose, uh, people who, you know, the, the blogs that I read, mm. uh, you know, every week. And so I like everything the Content Marketing Institute does. I like what Jay Bear does and I read all his books. Uh, David Meerman Scott um, has been a friend for a while now and um, I've been lucky enough to share the stage with him uh, on his first tour of Australia, which is great. And I just love his book. The New Rules of Marketing and PR, which is now in its fifth edition. So I urge people, if you're interested in this space, that's probably the Bible, but don't get the first edition because it's kind of out of date because that was written in 2007 <laughs> and a bit has happened since then. So David Meeman Scott's got a great blog called Web Inc. Now. And just people who are very pragmatic, who are, you know, they, they've, they just, they understand business, they understand branding, but they're not trying to hack the system. And so I, I, I probably gravitate more to those sorts of people. Seth Godin, I think I mentioned. Um, so there's a range of of blogs that I read again and again and again, and books and and podcasts. I probably got I don't know thirty or forty on my phone. <laughs> so I uh, I listen to Mitch Joel a lot. Six Pixels of Separation. Um, I'm a, I'm um, I'm really loving that. And, um, you know, someone like Joanna Penn, the creative pen, she's all about authorpreneurs. Um, so it's just, it's a real mix of people, really. Um, some are mates, the brand newsroom, which is um, one out of Perth, some friends, people that you know as well, yep. um, from Lush Digital. And, um, and again, the, um, the people from Marketing Profs, uh, they've got a one called Marketing Sparts and Jenny Dietrich from, uh, Spin Sucks. Um, a fantastic blog in the PR space. And a great book, and I, lo I love listening to her on their um, Inside PR podcast. So as you can see, there's a bit of PR there. There's a bit of more digital marketing, a bit of content marketing, and, and social will probably click right through everything there. And so it's just a matter of getting those touch points from various uh, people, and I like them from a mindset perspective. So I'm on the same wavelength as them, and uh, I agree with their values and the way they go about things. Yeah, so that doesn't make them right or wrong. It's just the stuff that I like. And then I, through my experience, I try and join the dots. I don't agree with everyone. I try and find out what I think works from my perspective, and then I try and join the dots. Yeah, and that's what, like, as you just mentioned, there's a bunch of things, like people I've not even heard of before, but there's people I've heard of, like JBear, the Content Marketing Institute, and obviously Nick Hayes and the Brand Newsroom, like the good mates. So some from uh, some of them for me to check out, and I'll absolutely be checking out David Mann Scott's uh, book as well. Yeah, it's a good it's a good one, and it's very pragmatic. And um, you know, even if you know the space, it's good. He, he just covers that broad territory, and what a fantastic name for a book: the new rules of marketing and PR. <laughs> and, uh, he's a great speaker as well, and he's a good friend. And I've managed to interview him a couple of times. So. You know, it's, and it, that's the beauty of it. That is the absolute beauty that, you know, most of those people um, I've mentioned, I've spoken to on Twitter or I've seen speak overseas or when they're out here or whatever. So it's, you know, that brings it to life still, you know, that, that makes it all worthwhile, I reckon. Yeah, and now it's that accessibility you have, like I, some, I watch uh, Darren Rouse's Periscope time to time and he's in Melbourne, he's talking about the beach and he's talking about blogging and all that. I absolutely adore him, but it's like you're there, you're right there. <laughs> well, and that, that's that's authenticity. You know, there's few people who are, you know, probably highfalutin thought leaders in their space that never think. They wouldn't even know what Periscope was. <laughs> but even if they knew what it was, they wouldn't deem themselves to do that, whereas Darren's smart enough to know that people – like to be taken behind the scenes. It's it's the community that he built. You know, as we know, he's got two blogs and he's got about 5 million unique visitors a month to those blogs. You know, he's in the world of blogging. He's a big player. Yet, 
you know, is he the best writer? Is he the best photographer? Is he the best video person? No, he's not. Sorry, Darren. <laughs> you know, there are people who, you know, are, have been writing for 30 or 40 years who are going to be better writers. But what Darren's really smart at doing is understanding his audience, what drives them, what are their pain points, their needs, their challenges that he can help them with, with information, articles, um, and he's got a podcast now as well. And so he answers those and he makes people smarter and he empowers them with knowledge and that, and he's friendly and accessible and authentic and real, and people will gravitate towards that. That is why he's big. It's not one thing, it's everything. It's the package. And that's the key, I think, of everything we've talked about. It's not that one thing, it's everything and that package of combining generosity, combining collaboration, that consistency, that relentlessness, that strategic approach, and every single thing else we talked about. And it's hard. It's hard to hack that. You know, there's, there's certain things you can be smart. You can, you know, okay, let's have a pop-up to, to get more people on our email list. Let's treat our email list with respect and, and do it. You know, let's, but, but we can also do some split testing for our headlines to see, um, you know, what's working better and what's not. Um, you know, sure, we can do some keywords and phrases for things that we want to be known for and put some SEO. So none of those things are bad. But if you start with trying to shortcut, I think it's going to be a lot harder for you in the long run and you'll get to solution. I truly believe that. Yeah. Ah. So wrapping things up, Trevor, in terms of, again, I, I don't know how we'll be able to consult it and put it into short, but what is an action that our listener can take today in terms of that increasing that person's brand visibility? Well, I am a massive advocate for the power of owned media. Again, I think everyone has got the potential to be their own media channel, and whether that's a blog or a podcast, I just think even if you're working in a, a business at the moment, you're you know you're in a cubicle and you want to break out of that at some point, start a podcast, start a blog on something that really rattles your chain, that something's really excites you and lights you up. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be about you know, the business that you're in necessarily, but just it's, it is again, I keep coming back to mindset, being able to front up and blog and connect with like minds around that content and therefore build that ecosystem around your, your values and your ideas and the space in which you operate. You know, that is when things happen. That is when you're starting to build that village of support, as I like to call it. And, uh, and, and, and we all need a village of support in our life. We all need people who are going to promote us and share our stuff and give us advice and, and, uh, be part of our world. And that's the starting point. Now, if you can make that village of support quite big, um, that's when you get to your thousand true fans. Um, that's when you can turn, you know, you can turn your, your content and your audience into a business or you can work with your audience, find out what they want and then create a, uh, create products and services to um, meet their needs. But I think in the early days, it's just getting going. It's not thinking too hard about it. Just get that blog going. Get that, you know, maybe you write for medium.com. Maybe you just start blogging on LinkedIn. Um, pretty soon Facebook in Australia, overseas have already got it, called Notes, which is their blogging platform. Maybe it's blogging through that. It's, it's actually putting yourself out, that act of putting yourself out there, which scares the bejesus out of most people. That's what you've got to do because unless you're out there, you're invisible. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're known within your family and friends, but if you want to take that leap outside of your immediate network and, and to uh, build a bigger audience and be a bit more known in your space, you have to put yourself out there. You have to have an opinion or a perspective on what it is and you can't be the same as anything else, everyone else. So how can you communicate your unique perspective? That's what you've got to be looking at. So the key is to starting it. If you love video and you love being on camera, that's probably the answer. If you can't stand being on camera, uh, but you love a chat, well then podcasting. Pod <laughs> and I'm, I love podcasting, and uh, but I'm a writer at heart, and I think you know maybe blogging is good for some people as well. Huh. True. I love. I I started out writing, and I'm like, no, this is scary, and this is not me. 
but I love talking. So I'm like, let's go podcasting and I could talk for hours and hours. <laughs> well, I, I had, a, had a guy as a friend and I worked with him as a client as well. And he started with a book. He went hardcore straight up. <laughs> he wrote a book. So if that's your want, go for that as well. And that's, um, he's now in charge of the sixth fastest growing company in Australia, according to BRW and, um, doing content and having a book and doing video, online video show, a daily online video show or three or four times a week. Uh, and turning that into a podcast and plus dealing with the media and being active on Twitter, guess what? Bang, things happen. Oh, because <laughs> that's the thing in terms of like, if it's you haven't started as you, if you don't, if you're not out there, you're not visible. So Trevor, where can our audience get in touch with you and how can they find more about the podcast, your book, your blog and everything else? <laughs> <laughs> Um, prwarrior.com is the blog, or the blog's on prwarrior.com. And, uh, the book is called Micro Domination, How to Leverage Social Media and Content Marketing to Build a Mini Business Around Your Personal Brand. That's available, um, in audio as well, Audible, um, and also Amazon Kindle. So Micro Domination, it's a made up name, so that should come up pretty easy if, I, if you Google it. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Trevor Young, so please swing by or, um, look me up on LinkedIn and, and um, we can connect there. And the podcast is called Reputation Revolution. So if you put that in, in iTunes, uh, we will come up through the Big Apple Giant. Cool. I'll put those links down on the show notes anyway so that people can easily find it. So if you guys want to look at the show notes, just go to the Key to Author website and you'll be able to find it. But Trevor, before we finish off, What's that one last piece of advice that you're like, this is a must, must, must kind of thing? Oh, Putting man. you on the spot. <laughs> Put me on. The one bit of advice. You know what? I reckon get on Twitter if you haven't done it, if you haven't committed to it, um, and, and unless you're totally against it, um, give it its due. Don't just muck around with it. Get involved because, to my mind, if you get Twitter right and you really use it to its full potential – other social media channels start to make sense. Twitter is a paradox. It's at once the easiest to make sense of, and at other times it's the hardest to make sense of uh, because it's just, you know, being out there real and human and adding a bit of value, and um, it, it's it's a little bit hard for people to get their heads around uh, having public conversations. So once you do that in real time, um, Twitter can really work for you. And, and because you can connect with people who in all likelihood you wouldn't get to meet in real life, um, that's, that's the magic of Twitter. And that's when, if you, if you do it and it really works for you, you'll, you'll really notice the difference, um, just in the way you go about things. So with Twitter then, oh, cause I've just started recently. I had an account from 2011 and stuff. So what's, again, we might even continue on another whole full episode, <laughs> but what's the quick strategy around that? Like, how do you manage it? And how do you get like being honest? Cause it's only 140 characters. I'm like, how can I talk in 140 characters? Well, it makes you, it forces you. And the good thing is a lot of people on Twitter don't shorten their, their words like they do in text, um, and SMS. They, uh, well, now you can put pictures and videos as well. So you've got Vine, six, six seconds of Vine video or Instagram video you can put up or, you know, just film it through the Twitter app and then, um, you can put video up. So you, you can be really creative with Twitter now. It's, it's, it's has really evolved in recent times and, um, you know, lots of photos and it's, it's just becoming really a multimedia stream. So don't necessarily just lock yourself down to 140 characters, but you'd be surprised what you can say in 140 characters. Um, it's certainly one of those things where if you just go on there and expect people to flock to you, it's not going to happen. So you need to find out who's talking in your space. Uh, what are the subjects, the topics that are of interest to you? Who's interested in that? Who's talking about that? You know, Twitter's got a fantastic um, search function. It's got an advanced search function. And just start following people who are of interest and is going to stimulate you. Um, I think there's the word I'd use, stimulate um, the intellectual side of what you're all about. And um, you can uh, then – that's how you and, – and, and be part of those conversations. Conversations don't just lurk necessarily, but um, get involved with it. And I've seen it again and again. I've 
I've coached people who have gone through this who hated Twitter and they knuckled down and now they've got five, 6,000 followers and it's led to all sorts of opportunities and that's happened to me. I've seen it happen to the people I've worked with and uh, it can happen to your listeners as well. Awesome. And if people haven't, along with starting a, pod, a podcast or a blog or a video, get on to Twitter at least and that's the channel to be on and make sure you play around and as Trevor mentioned, try it out, give it a shot and see where you go. Again, Trevor, thanks a lot. We'll probably have a chat another episode or something about Twitter and go a bit more in details. But really, really appreciate uh, the time you spent with us and the insightful conversation I've had. Like, I've learned so much as well. But just getting that mindset right and connecting and getting to know that Dan Ross sucks at writing. No. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, <laughs> you did not. Oh, good. But it's really, really appreciate it, Trevor. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Janish. Didn't Trevor deliver over what he promised? Like, just... All the stuff he talked about from own media to own media to social media, how it all interconnects, how the influencers work in that space, then tying it into Twitter and content marketing and the whole sphere of that personal brand and how you can leverage it with PR and instigate those connections. It just blew my mind and how he used that example of Gary Vaynerchuk. It's just about doing it, taking action, and taking action and getting that content out there. So don't forget the action he mentioned is start a blog or a podcast on something that excites you and start building that village of supporters if you already haven't done so. And if you already have a blog or a podcast, look at it carefully, analyze it, and take some time and ask your audience what would they like to see a bit more. What would they like to be improved on that blog or podcast? And you'll never know what you might get in the result. So do that and start building your personal brand and start working on increasing your brand visibility. To get the show notes and all the links talked about in today's episode, all the people Trevor referred, the books he referred, go to keytoauthority.com slash EP049. That is keytoauthority.com slash EP049. The next episode will be the 50th episode of the Key to Authority podcast. And I really, really can't wait to share that with you because it's with a very special person. And that person is one of the reasons that I started this podcast. He's ignited that fire in me of starting this podcast and guided me on the way as well through his blog, through his videos, through his social media. I can't wait to share that with you. And I'm telling you, you're in for a treat for that one. Till we talk next, keep increasing your brand visibility. Thank you so much for listening to the Key to Authority podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share at www.keytoauthority.com. We'll see you next time.